Welcome, friends, to episode seven of Quest Rewind, the show where we celebrate video games by going back to stuff like the 90s with the Nintendo 64. We had a really great discussion in our first five episodes about that, but then afterwards we said, you know, let's go over to the early 2000s and talk about the Xbox 360. And just two episodes ago, or I guess you could say it's a bonus, we went back to E3 2005 and did a watch along, a live reaction of the uh, 2005 press conference where they actually revealed the Xbox 360 and talked about the weird clothing choices and everything else. And then we had a full episode actually talking about that from the first game they revealed to the odd choices and all that stuff. But now this is going to be a controversial episode because the Xbox 360, in spite of its success, it was kind of a cluster with the red ring, all of these fail rates, yet it was still very successful. So we'll be talking about that right now with yours truly, Juan Velas from Puerto Rico. I'm Ryan from Boston. And I'm Keith from London, Ontario, Canada. Canadian Keith, if you will. That is indeed the case. And in the previous episode, the three of us acknowledged that we didn't get the Xbox 360 at launch, right? It was one of these things that you started to see some rumors and little things like that. I was still enjoying my PS2. And just when I thought I was going to get that, because the PS3 didn't come out till basically a year later in 2006, right? So here we have the brand new console, but I started to see some stuff. I got a little scared. What about you guys? Did you have a similar type of thing happen? Pretty much. Like, I was at that age where... I started having my own money, but it's not like new console, get it day one kind of money. So I was, I, I saw it at the kiosk in my, we didn't have Best Buy in Canada at the time. We had a, or a store called Future Shop. So I saw it at the kiosk in Future Shop and um, thought like, wow, that looks really cool. That's really amazing. I can't afford this right now. So I guess I'm good with my PS2. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, I, you started seeing all of the things that happened near the launch, the uh, the faults for maybe it releasing a little too early. And that kind of persuaded me to, oh, maybe I'm going to wait a little bit on this one. Yeah, I had just been happy with the PS2 in the GameCube at this point, And I still had an original Xbox as well. So it was the only time I owned all three of like that generation of consoles. And I think I had more than enough games to keep me busy. But the Xbox 360, it wasn't really on my radar in particular at this point in time because I was more interested in waiting to see what PlayStation had to offer. I feel like PlayStation had just I had more loyalty at that point. Like I had an Xbox and I had Halo, Halo 2, but I wasn't as attached to it as a lot of other people were. I think that's a really good point that I didn't mention as well, because I had the PS2. I loved my PS2. So there probably was a sense of loyalty that I had towards the PlayStation and waiting to see what the next PlayStation would be. And just think about that, because it wasn't just a case of four or five months. It is a whole year. So especially in the whole transition from standard definition to HD, you have this incentive, right? There's a console right now where you can enjoy that. And and us as wrestling fans, you know which game I'm talking about. When something like SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 came out, we bought that for the PS2. 
But then you saw the screenshots for 360 and said, oh, okay, okay, I, I got to make an upgrade. And I still didn't. Wow, they look so much sweatier there. My yeah, there's so much sweat. All the shine. That That's how you judge uh, All the, the next generation. character creation slots and stuff that they added. All the future stuff. And everybody, by the way, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider dropping that five-star review. We publish these on video over at youtube.com slash quest rewind. We also have our uh, Discord. So if you want to just chat along, talk about previous episodes, this one here, which I know is going to generate a lot of heat in some sort of ways, uh, description for all those details. So before we we talk about the issues, right, and, and with the red ring and of all that stuff, we do have some resources, some uh, uh, links, and we'll make sure to gr- give credit to all that. This is stuff that I kind of forgot about, which is what did 360 actually come out with? So the console came out in November 22nd, 2005. For context, PS3, November 11th, 2006. So pretty much... Almost exactly a year earlier. Exactly. And we got two SKUs. There was a 299 model and 399 model. So the core system, the one that was $200, uh, $299, I should say, came with American, the console. We're saying, yeah, American. Right? Yeah. Which how a uh, two ninety nine American is like what in uh, Canada? Well, Canadian dollars suck right now. It was a lot better back then, so yeah, it was back pretty then. pretty comparable to two ninety nine. So maybe it would be like three fifty at okay. worst. Today it would be like four hundred bucks because the dollar is a tire fire. <laughs> so we got we got the uh, console a wire controller. So that's something worth mentioning. Uh, detachable faceplate, Xbox Live Silver membership and standard AV cables. So that's that's the <laughs> that's the hey, I want to get the new console, but there's some stuff. Now, let's not react to that. I also, Let me oh, go, okay. go ahead. No, no, I, I was going to react to that. So no, let's no, because not do that. <laughs> I just want to be able to present the other one and just be like, "Okay, here's the $100 difference." And let's go to $400, right? What did that one get you? Gets you the console, a 20 gigabyte detachable hard drive, wireless controller, wireless Xbox Live headset, high-definition AV cables, Ethernet cable, Xbox 360 rem- uh, media remote control, which was only available for a limited time, detachable faceplate, and Xbox Live Silver membership. So once again, a $100 difference. Keith, what do you got, buddy? I mean, they labeled that 299 version the Xbox Core system, and Wow, that is maybe one of the truest statements I've ever heard. Because yes, there's a couple of bullet points like a wired controller and standard AV cables and Xbox Live Silver. But that's all free stuff. Like you didn't pay for Xbox Live Silver. That's not much of a bullet point there. You really just got the console for that $299. And then when you add an extra $100, like that really was a you're paying a little more, but you're getting a ton of value out of it. Like having that wired wireless controller which is just a crazy a crazy concept at that time even though batteries weren't included and you'd, you'd pay an extra two hundred dollars in that over its lifetime and even and then, if you got the memory cards think of the price for those it's like 40 50 bucks mm-hmm. and the the detachable hard drive like if you really wanted to use the xbox to its full media platform capability like that 
was a must to have because they weren't proprietary. Like you couldn't just get any hard drive and put it into an Xbox at that time. You needed to get their, uh, like their obscure Xbox 360 version hard drive that costs way more than it should just because it was for an Xbox 360. So it's actually a pretty good value, that $399 one. Having the bullet points on that $299 one is a bit of a scam as far as I'm concerned. So for the core system, was there any kind of hard drive for it? Like, no. What, no? I so think you there had was to... just a little bit, like enough to save games on, but you yeah. couldn't like you couldn't put anything on it. I think, I think it, I'm going to double check it as the hashtag fact checker, but I think we were working in megabytes in the core system. Yeah. Because keep in mind the 360 did actually have a memory card. You could get that. Uh, they came in uh, 64 megabytes, 256 and 512 and they launched alongside that. So this is kind of like the, for this is for us that came from the PS2 generation. You're like, well, I mean, I got a memory card for the PS2. I guess I need for this one. I'm paying the two, the $300 model, but these aren't $20. So you need that. So it's one of these things where you're saving money in quotes, but really you're, you're not. You're paying a lot more. Yeah, it's interesting because looking at these two right now, like in hindsight, it looking now, core system is looks like the biggest piece of garbage I've ever seen in my life, right? Mm-hmm. But at the time, if you're supposed to take yourself back to 2005 with people playing PS2 and everything, wired controller still is like a familiar thing. It doesn't feel like this horrible ripoff that why should I even pay this money and still get a wired controller? And the same thing with like the AV cables and not getting the at this time, it would be the component cables or whatever. So I can see at the time, maybe people weren't like, oh, this is just here to make you want to pay the 400 but right now like from a hindsight perspective it looks like they made this model just to get you to pay the 400 dollars to be like okay i'm not going to get this it's complete junk i have to get the 400 dollars one it was the most core system possible (laughs) i mean just think about this Uh, i'm looking up some information this is from engadget in 2007 they released the 512 megabyte memory card, and that was 50 bucks. It came with Geometry Wars, uh, so it did come with a game, but still it was 50. And the 64 megabyte one dropped to 30 at that point. So it was actually more expensive. So really, you're kind of saving money if you want to be technical about it, but it, it was a thing. Now, it is worth pointing out just because you're making the switch to high definition, yet if you got the core system, there's a lot of people like ourselves that maybe we didn't really have an HD TV. Then maybe we'll just go like, okay, whatever. But how many people didn't know that, hey, if you want to play games in HD, you need a different cable. You're, you don't just need the composite, you know, the, uh, the different color ones. So that was worth pointing out. And then just something quickly, just to gloss over and give some context. Some of the launch games include Amped 3, Call of Duty 2, uh, Condemned yeah, Call of Duty 2 is a pretty solid game. It didn't. It doesn't amped. age. My God, what a great game! I don't remember if I played that. I did play the demo for Condemned though. So I did do that. Uh, FIFA Soccer 06 Gun, which I've actually played. That game is a pretty good third-person Western game. Uh, Cameo Elements of Power, Madden F- NFL 06, NBA 2K6, NBA Live 06. A lot of 06s and NBAs. Uh, Need for Speed Most Wanted, NHL 2K6, Perfect Dark Zero. 
Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie. That is the full name. Okay, you got to get that <laughs> and right. And the official game of the kiosk that Xbox 360s were in. That was the showcase title. Uh, Project Gotham Racing 3, Quake 4, Ridge Racer 6, Tiger Woods PGA Tour 06, and Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. We don't have too much time to get into like the specific games, but, you know, sort of spitballing general impressions what do you think of that initial offering? You know, overall, that's a pretty solid lineup, I would say. Like Amped, Call of Duty, not all of them are winners, that's for sure. But having Amped, Call of Duty, Gun being cross-platform, Cameo, like there is some good game. There were reasons to buy the Xbox 360 if you really wanted that console at the time. I would say it's very well-rounded. Nothing that's really like... I need to get this console right now, but being well-rounded is is impressive because normally, I mean, we see a lot of rough launches with titles, so this is far from the worst. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And here's another thing that's kind of surprising, especially in hindsight. Keep in mind, when I got a 360, it was, uh, my wife got a white model, but that one already had an HDMI. The ones at launch, I mean, notice none of the SKUs said HDMI. That's because that didn't exist, which talking about that now seems insane, right? How do you release a high definition console without that? But let's keep well, in mind. With high definition AV cables in the 299 version or the 399 version. Yeah. You, you got that, which is at least something. Yeah, I'm, but I'm a little is, curious behind the history behind that because... You can get, I don't know what, like with the component cables, can you get just as good of like quality? Can you get like 1080p out of component cables versus HDMI? I think it's 720, isn't it? No, you you, you can do 1080, but as somebody that I've used my PS3 with both components and HDMI, there's a clear difference, at least for me. And... I know they sold some kind of converter, if I'm not mistaken, but this this was a huge issue for a lot of people that wanted to make the full leap to like HD, HDMI, and they did change it. So it's like the minority, right? It's over time, when you look at any 360 console out there used, you're bound to find the HDMI one more than you will the uh, standard one. Yeah, it kind of felt like the whole HD DVD versus Blu-ray thing. You had the component cables <laughs> and the HDMI and... HDMI really won that one out. Yeah, it's it's almost like a half step because I don't think component cables were meant to succeed. It was to be that thing that people bought between the um, the a like the standard AV cables until HDMI was ready, and then HDMI just blew it out of the water totally. Yeah, I have this monstrosity of a cable that to plug my Wii into an HD TV. I got this thing that it can do PS3, Xbox, and Wii, and like it can plug in as a component. It has like the three ends for each oh, of wow. the, the consoles. I only bought it for the Wii because obviously I could just use an HDMI with the other consoles. But uh, yeah, it is just like a abomination of a cable that I have to use sometimes <laughs> when I end up taking, you know, playing I think the Wii. we all had that, whether it be with the Super Nintendo days. <laughs> And you could like connect Genesis, like just a way to simplify having so many cables. Yeah. But as you mentioned, then you have this one huge freaking cable that's just so inconvenient on the back of a TV. Yeah, it ain't pretty, but it gets the job done. It works. It works. And on the flip side of working, 
<laughs> we, let's let's just get let's just get yeah. to it. The Red Ring of Death. I remember before we get to like news, I would love to just get context for us as far as when we first heard about it. And now remember this vividly. So PS2 gamer still at the time. One of my friends was all about getting the newer consoles. And I remember when he told me he picked up a 360, right? But then a couple of months later, he's telling me, no, I'm on my way to get an Xbox 360. And I'm just thinking, wait, it legit in my head, I'm thinking, deja vu? Did I overlook something? And he told me, no, mine's, mine stopped working. So I'm just getting another one. And he said it so casually. And at this point, I really wasn't using the internet too much aside from like wrestling forums. And that's when he told me, no, it's got like this red light issue. It's happening a lot. The first one's going to get repaired. But uh, until they fix it, I'd rather just get another one. And to me, as somebody that was economically super tight on a budget, it was mind blowing that you're buying a second console, not to have two in your house, to use simultaneous, like, no, for when the first one stops working, I'm gonna have a backup. That was my first memory of hearing about this. What about you guys? This almost makes me question the sales numbers of the 360 now and how much the <laughs> red ring maybe inflated it. I think uh, 2007 seems like the year where I feel like a lot of this was like bubbling up a lot. I This was when I was like first going into college and a lot of people had 360s, like my buddies. And I know they were having issues and you just hear about other people like in other dorm rooms. We like, oh, got to get a new 360. Mine broke. And yeah, I feel like that was around the time where probably people had played their consoles enough that they were, you know, if they got them in 2005 or 2006, this was like around the time that a lot of them were starting to fail more and more. And yeah, I just remember being like that scared me because I was just like no way if I know it's gonna fail even despite the fact that there was some good exclusives at that point in time for 360 like games like Bioshock were not out for PS3 yet 2007 was a great year yeah for and mm -hmm. I'm just like no way why why take the chance I'm not gonna buy another one and I've heard about how annoying it is to send it in to get it fixed so yeah I think about two years into the lifespan, I think, was when it really was like, you know, reaching that boil. I'm trying to remember on my end because I don't have a vivid memory of when I became aware of it. But I know I watched a lot of G4 at the time. And I imagine I started hearing about it from the programming on that station because I know they would cover a lot of video game stuff. And I imagine the Red Ring of Death was a big thing on like as what they would covering because that was kind of my gateway into learning more about video game journalism and that would eventually lead me to websites like GameSpot and IGN and uh, and those big media outlets and somewhere along the way on that path I became aware of the Red Ring and how much of a problem it was and yeah much like you Ryan it scared me away from getting the Red Ring like I was I was a teenager at that time and I was tight on a budget so 
I needed to I needed to make sure that when I spent my money, I was spending it well. And if I was going to spend that money on something like a console, I needed to make sure it was going to work for a long time. And because the failure rate was so high, especially around that 2007 time when it got really crazy and it seemed like every other day somebody was saying, oh, my I got the red ring. Like it, it got to the point where it was one of the earliest memes on the Internet, the red ring of death, because it was just something that you would see constantly constantly and it i didn't want to spend my money on that like i didn't get the 360 till later i i think i ended up getting the ps3 first just be like even though it was out earlier just because the red ring and hearing about all the launch problems and failures of the 360 turned me off enough that i was gonna wait and see if they figured it out and they fixed it and i would just get it later eventually which i did and i think a lot of that boils down to what ryan mentioned regarding brand loyalty because here the three of us we didn't have the council and we did know each other around this point so this was these were conversations we would also have at some point or another And I remember I was thinking to myself, okay, so we later found out the price point for the PS3, which was freaking ridiculous. 599 US dollars. It's worth getting a second job for, guys. Yep. (laughs) And think about that. I didn't have a job at that point. I maybe did some like stuff, you know, I would get paid for like groceries, like little things like that. I didn't really have a job, but I I would rather. Exactly. (laughs) And I would rather, and I did spend $600 on a console a year later unknowing of what it would actually be whether it had faults or not but it was the third PlayStation as opposed to the second Xbox that maybe cost less but I started to hear some rumors about the stuff right and it's worth pointing out and we've said it in the previous episode the 360 is a freaking awesome console we're not sitting here saying oh why you shouldn't get we're saying, despite all that, that is the course of the conversation here. And Keith, you brought up the uh, failure rates. I'm going to read this from designnews.com, titled Major Failure Rate. So you know it's not it's not going to go well. And it it's reads as follows. Holy it's cow. even bolded. Yeah, you know, you know it's the serious stuff. The Xbox was plagued with hardware difficulties from its initial release in November 2005. There were a number of issues such as discs becoming scratched in the drive after its release. Articles started appearing in the game media portraying Xbox 360 failure rates ranging from 23.7% to 54.2%. That's crazy. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. A German game magazine revealed that representatives of the three largest Xbox 360 resellers claimed that the failure rate of the Xbox 360 was between 30 to 33%. Now, pausing there, let's go back to the days of this is before YouTube. This is before YouTuber would go 10 reasons you shouldn't buy an Xbox 360. This is before in all 20, those lists, Or right? in 2006. In, t- in 2006, <laughs> around that point, right? Here, you kind of just go to GameStop and maybe hear about this. You kind of go to Future Shop or maybe you go to a forum, but it's not common to really get access to a lot of this information. Just looking at those numbers, what do you guys think of that? That's amazing. Like going by that German number, which seems to be in the middle of everything else, that is saying one in every three Xbox 360s that are made will fail. And that's nuts to think about. So say 
like of every thousand dollars that xbox is putting out of merchandise 200 or 300 dollars of it will fail that's nuts to consider and it just we in the previous episode we spoke a lot about how the 360 managed to turn it around and it's looking at numbers like this it's phenomenal that they actually pulled that off because there it's it's amazing that people still had trust in it after this time yeah if we look at again going with probably the more accurate of like 30 to 33 percent the industry standard accepted rate of failure in this kind of you know in the industry was three to five percent so it's it's more than 10 10 times going by the three percent yeah yeah so we're talking 10 times more likely to fail than what's acceptable so it's just ridiculous and another thing you know you mentioned about the discs being scratched um you know talking about the xbox 360 model that disc tray in as opposed to you know the technology we saw on the ps3 like the more like disc suction for reading discs or whatever the disc tray the decision to use that really was um it did damage a lot of people's games because stuff with like the disc tray not working properly and everything like that um it was more likely to ruin games than you know like a ps3 was so that was like another factor into xbox 3 issues beyond just the red ring i totally forgot about that flimsy little disc tray until now but yeah that it's i remember i i had a friend that had one of those launch models and they put a game into the xbox and it just chewed it right up like you could you could hear the lens scratching the game and that it just made worst. you want to die as you <laughs> listen to it and look this is not the first console to do stuff like that as a matter of fact the uh, ps2 slim uh, did you either of you ever have the uh, slim, like the super tiny PS2? I, I, did. I did have the slim. Yeah. So some of the people, and by some I mean sadly I'm part of that bunch too. There was a, a, an issue with the ribbon. You know when the disc is reading, it's like extracting, it's pulling in and out or ribbon, mm -hmm. and if it got stretched, it would be just enough to actually touch a disc. So. That happened to me with one uh, game right there. So this is not a new issue with consoles, but definitely not the best first impression you want to have. And I think it really says a lot of the issues. It's like we're talking about disc issues. I I'm, I don't know. And luckily, there wasn't a lot of information with problems about the detachable hard drive, which in hindsight, it's interesting, right? Because even though the original Xbox had a hard drive, hard drives fail all the time, right? How many people lose a crap ton of data? So it does seem like at least that. I tried to do a little bit of research. I didn't read a lot of problems. So that detachable hard drive, it was super expensive, but generally speaking, it seemed to be a little bit better than that. Now, uh, just to piggyback on all this information, here's some more information uh, regarding what happened. Uh, since its release on November 22nd, 2005, many articles have appeared in the media portraying the uh, failure rates. The largest estimate by warranty provider Square Trade to be 23.7% in 2019. The one thing that always struck me is how defensive people got about it. And look, I know Xbox, PS3, whatever. Let's, let's forget about this. Let's, let's talk about food. If I were to tell you, Ryan, did you know that out of four visits, one in your favorite restaurants is going to be pure shit? 
Would that not yeah, make you're you gonna go, get food wait poisoning one one in every four times you go? Yeah, would that not just make you go, you know what? I think yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I would not. It wouldn't be worth the risk at all. Mm-hmm. It really wouldn't. And then this led to Microsoft saying a lot of nothing. It was just pure silence. Here, here you have just like this massive thing happening. You know, the holiday seasons would roll around all this stuff, but eventually it actually did lead to a legal battle, which I I can assume this would lead to a lot of other companies because, hey, as somebody that got the PS3, I got the freaking yellow light of death. I don't know if you guys knew about that. Did you know about that? I maybe heard a little bit, but never happened to me. I know it's a me. thing. I've heard that phrase, but I don't know what causes it or why it happens. Yeah, the the original PS3, the, six, the sexy 60... That's the the one with like backwards compatible and all that stuff that Ryan still has when it freaking works. Still going. Works. <laughs> I haven't booted it up in like a year and a half, but it's still you going. You should just to just to just treat to it see. well. Clean but, off the old jet engine there. Oh yeah. There was like a combination of overheating and other things, which the failure rate to that is very high. The thing is, luckily it didn't seem to be nearly as high as the uh, 360, and eventually they just phased that model out, so that problem never got to that level. Although. Let's be honest. I think even that is more ridiculous considering the price point, right? It's when you when you're spending two hundred dollars more than the most expensive one in the previous one. You would hope that is a little bit better, right? You would hope, but that doesn't make it okay for the cheaper one to fail at the same time. That's yeah, exactly. True. It's not a. Uh, it, it doesn't excuse. Neither has an excuse. You know, you can't just finger point your way out of it <laughs> you'd be like oh we're the cheaper one no 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 i still suck so for those curious because you you often hear about this like yellow light of death red ring of death but what actually is it right i remember hearing so many methods one of my friends the one that i mentioned he ended up getting four consoles okay he he bought four not that he got four repaired <laughs> across time it you know? got to the point where he got four consoles as a married man, I applaud his level of commitment and don't think I will be able to reach it in my lifetime. That is amazing. I, it's too amazing. much. <laughs> but did you guys hear about this? What he would do, and this is kind of like the blowing in the cartridge. It may or may not work and stuff like that. He would wrap a humid towel around the console because apparently that helped with some of the heating issues. I actually have because a lot of these rumors would spread around like oh this is what you can do this is what you can do and it, it became this whole thing of like this kind of like underground conversations of like how oh, how do you fix your xbox 360 so i i actually hey i pulled up uh i think five different tricks that you could do <laughs> to uh try and fix your xbox 360 uh yeah so this is from uh digitalinnovations.com but i thought it'd be fun to read through it so tip number one would be it says that's a dirty lens you have there overheating is the most common diagnosis for the red ring of death but before you take the system apart you need to check something else out first it is definitely possible that your optical laser lens that reads your disc has been covered with dust so it would be to clean that then tip number two would be compressed air uh compressed air is dust's worst enemy so basically just d you know getting rid of the dust inside the console. Then, uh, let's see. 
<laughs> it says tip number three is local dude living in parents' garage. I have no idea. What this <laughs> well, no, 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 this, right, right. No, yeah. You take the console to the dude's house, and he will yeah. just fix that. I think this he is just an, I think this is just an ad that they fixed it here <laughs> in this article. It's, because, but, but, like for real, because these days it's very common to see like those bootleg cell phone repair shops in either oh, a yeah. mall or yeah, it was like a take, strip mall. Yeah, it's or just take it to like band. a local repair guy uh, with yeah, that tip. But back then, it was a lot of people working out of yeah. their garage. It wasn't as widespread. You could go there and get a three sixty fixed or a PS two with a mod chip what if what if what if microsoft deep down just wanted to support local businesses and by increasing the failure rate you're opening up more repair shops oh, Boom. Yeah. that's totally Hashtag marketing that's totally. so tip number four is interesting it's called the penny trick so it said back when i had an xbox 360 one of the models from 2007 or so i got a solid four years of casual gaming out of it before those three lights of doom began taunting me i started combining uh, combing the dark abyss, and that is YouTube for cheap red ring of death tips and fixes. Turns out that a trip to Radio Shack, if you know what tools you need, or I fix it, plus a little uh, perseverance in taking the Xbox 360 apart, was all you needed to get back to GTA 4. So there's a video, uh, apparently, and somehow a penny is involved <laughs> with fixing <laughs> the Xbox 360. Uh, yeah, pretty wild. And Some MacGyver stuff right there. And then finally, wow. the most famous, the towel trick that Juan mentioned uh, to temporarily fix your Xbox 360. It was to grab four or five towels, remove any games, hard drives or controllers, then wrap your Xbox 360 with the towels completely. Plug your system into the wall socket and let it run for 20 minutes. Keep an eye out as there is a small risk of electrical fire because you are essentially overheating the system a great deal to try and rewrap the motherboard back into place. Unwrap, turn it off, let it cool for another 20 minutes and it should power back on like normal. There you go. You know, the sad part is that's something that people actually did. But in 2021, it sounds like the latest type pod trend. Hey, you know, it'd be funny. You wrap the console like, you know, a, a damn towel. It can light your house on fire, but it could also fix the console. Is it worth doing in 2021, right? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds interesting that the reason it's failing is like a somehow something's overheating, but the the solution is to overheat it even more into <laughs> no, right, fixing right. itself. After okay, after a certain uh, certain threshold, it just stops detecting heat. It just says, you know what? I'm so hot. I'm feeling cool now. Yeah, it's that's like what it's all about. The worst kind of overclocking, really. Yeah, and supposedly this is according to the. Uh, industry new newspaper uh, EE Times. The problem may have started in the graphics chip. Microsoft designed the chip in-house to cut out the traditional uh, vendor with the goal of saving in design cost. Ha! Huh. Well, that kind of backfired, didn't it? After multiple product failures, Microsoft went back to the original vendor and had the chip redesigned so it would dissipate less heat. So it's kind of like the, the old saying, hey, you get what you pay for, right? You try to save a little money in the end. You end up spending over a billion dollars in repairs and stuff like that. That's a little painful. It's very painful. I'm sure that was a very hard lesson to learn. And it was called the Red Ring, of course, because when it died, you would see it was three. Oh, it wouldn't be a full circle, right? It no, was it like, was just the three. Yeah. Yeah. So the button on the front of the Xbox 360 was the Xbox logo and it had four green lights around it. 
but when it failed, it would turn into three red lights. So and then it was go. basically like bricked. Yeah. yeah then that's and... when you put the towel and burnt your house. Down. <laughs> 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 I burn it all down. Forget it. On uh, July 5th, uh, 07, Peter Moore, who we uh, saw in that lovely E3 2005 press conference, they eventually had to do something. He, he was the vice president of Microsoft. The, the negative press, uh, at some point, they just couldn't ignore it, right? You couldn't just say nothing forever. Like, hey, everything's failing. You can't ignore it for... Even though they managed to do it for a long yeah, time. Yeah, they did for like, a while. By these standards, to, in today's day and age, they pulled off quite the, like, quite the heist with how long they were able to say nothing about it. Because people would demand like a, an immediate reaction these days. So to go until like 2007 with it launching in 2005 like it's kind of impressive really it really was and they published an open letter uh, the the summary is they extended the three-year warranty for the console like they added three additional years for general hardware failures uh, indicating by the red rings of uh death right so this is a quote from wikipedia multiple other websites because the thing that i wanted to get to is we are the consumers right just think about how many consoles are being produced. So I can imagine very early into its life cycle, somebody was saying, hey, Ryan, uh, this is going to happen, but we have like 5 million produced consoles that we can't just like pick and choose and, and swap all that out. It's going to take, you know, approximately years to fix this. Think about COVID times. We're still dealing with PS5 and Xbox Series X shortages, and that's going to keep on happening. So can you imagine the meeting where everybody's saying, hey, this is messed up, but if we pull the consoles, it could be the demise of the company. But if we don't pull the consoles, it could also be the demise <laughs> yeah. of the company. So let's just put it out there. What's going to happen? Can it's you just true. imagine being in that meeting? Yeah, it's an interesting circumstance because it seems like, you know, when food happens, right? Like when food has issues, obviously it's a more sensitive situation because you can kill people basically. But like if they find something in the lettuce, this always happens like every couple of years. There's like, oh, oh yeah. we, there's some raw chicken. Like, yeah. A something with the lettuce. The so we're lettuce. gonna like basically halt all everything, like stop the presses. We're gonna make sure everything's good. And then boom, we're back in. But with the 360, so we say things really started to bubble up two years after the game the console comes out they could have halted and made sure they got it right but obviously they'd be losing a lot of money but like you said they could also be losing more money by continuing to sell people consoles that are are going to fail so it's a tough situation to be in and i mean we can even relate that today with like nintendo fix the joy that you know they could halt and say hey let's fix the joy con drift let's get this thing right but no, they know it's going to cost them money somewhere and they feel like they're going to gamble. They're going to take the the gamble of we're going to lose less money by continuing to sell it and figure out something else down the line than it is to halt it, get it right and start selling, you know, newer consoles that are fixed. And then we'll figure out what to do with all the ones that we already sold. Yeah, I it, I imagine that's exactly the case of what it was, where it was much cheaper just to fix it 
as they popped up and it may seem weird to some people that it took this long for it to really boil up because remember we're talking about 2007 right now and the console came out two years earlier in 2005 and this is my personal opinion but i feel like a lot of that has to almost do with like benefit of the doubt on the consumer side because we all know as consumers like not everything is going to work perfectly like all of these machines whether it be your phone or these consoles like it's on an assembly line there's gonna be one or two that break and you just deal with it you you have the warranty you get another one you move on but As that started to happen for people in late 2005, early 2006, I imagine they thought they were just one of those unlucky people. But then everybody started to be that unlucky person. One out of every three consumers was having that thing. And because word didn't get around as fast as it did back then... It really that that's I I imagine that's what took it so long for there to be action and then eventually leading to like a class action lawsuit because of the failure rate of these consoles. Like there is a huge window because I have to imagine, I believe in my heart of hearts that Microsoft knew exactly what they were doing. They wanted to get something out before the PlayStation came out and then so they could say that they're they've got the jump on the next generation and all the early adapters will have to they they need to get theirs instead of the PlayStation knowing that their chip wasn't ready they did it anyway so they had so much time to fix it but waited and waited and waited until we got to that boiling point we're talking about in 2007 like i i think microsoft should be held extremely accountable for what happened during that time and it's one of those things that in a in a town with Netflix where people love documentaries, I don't think it'll happen. But from a consumer standpoint, this is fascinating stuff. Like the more I read about this, it's how did this go for so long? And I think it even goes back. I, I mentioned this in, in the previous episode. Gaming here wasn't mainstream. It was getting there. Like if this were to happen now, do you think that would take two years to get into like the lawsuits? No, we've seen lawsuits happen for virtually nothing, right? So it lets you know that kind of some people went, eh, it's a game console. Let's just put it back, which that's like a whole nother can of worms, which can you imagine being the GameStop employee and you're just getting these games, these uh, Red Ring of Death consoles all the freaking time. There's a lot of rumors, and, and I tried to look up some information. Obviously, no, nobody's going to attest to this, but there's a lot of rumors that GameStop would just take a lot of these consoles. They would try to fix the chip, at least temporarily, to resell them. And Keith, you brought up the... Uh, the production line, this is once again uh, just an unsighted source because it's like people don't, they'll probably be like lawsuits or NDAs or something like that, especially around the time. But a, a source cited that at one time, there was just a 32% yield of one of the test productions units. So 68 out of every 100 units were found to be defective. 68 out of 100 of the test units, which if, if true, is just stupid. And Listen to this here. This is years after uh, Peter Moore recalled uh, just having a lot of conversations to the point that they would have to ship out these FedEx boxes because the shipping to repair ratio time was about three weeks. So if I called Microsoft and I contact him, there's no way that would happen now. Three weeks seems actually short in hindsight, just knowing the volume. But supposedly 
all of those boxes cost Microsoft about $240 million with all just the FedEx stuff. Just the box. Just in FedEx boxes. Wow. Because keep in mind, it, it's not like a normal shipping crate, right? You're talking about priority because it is a technical piece of equipment and all this stuff. It's just, <laughs> I, I can't believe, I really can't believe it happened. And uh, apparently, and this is, I remember going back into this loop, like I was reading this article and I thought, hey, this is where I came in around this point, 2009, where you would start to see a lot less of the red rings of death. And if I'm not mistaken, 2008, 2009 is when I got the console and Microsoft never really, the the, the least consumer thing, right? You're kind of solving the console problem, but you still have all these SKUs out there, right? It's kind of like when they released the second version of the Switch which people were looking at the boxes. Oh, I don't want the first box. I want the second one. So Microsoft didn't really officially release a new version of the console because the Elite doesn't count for this. So you kind of had to be, well, I'm hoping I get the one that has the problem fixed. Otherwise, I guess I just got to figure it out. But in 2009, uh, Square Trade, uh, a lot of resources decided that it was finally solved. So for context, November 05 is when the console comes out. It's not till 2009, years after, years after the PS3's been out, that it kind of becomes addressed. In hindsight, 2021, what's your take on that? Just how long it took from production to actual revision in getting this fixed? It's ridiculous. I mean, by this point, we're already looking towards what's the next, you know, console. We're we're probably what like two years away from the announcement of like Xbox One X or something. I, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, it seems like that's just way too long. And I wasn't even aware that the later regular 360 model did solve it. So that's I'm glad to hear that. I thought it was the Elite was the one that finally solved it. So the the slim in 2010 is when Microsoft openly said, yo, the problem's fixed. So we're no longer doing the three-year warranty thing because that's not a problem. These are completely different. You know, my favorite part, I was looking at the article. They completely removed the ability for the actual console to have red rings. They just, oh, you yeah, don't yeah. get that anymore. Even with they their, took the, hey, guess yeah. what? You can't get it if it's not there. <laughs> yeah, I know the, the um, elite there's no red lights in it and so that it just so no matter what, it could not red ring i mean that's probably a smart design choice just to save them from themselves really <laughs> it really was so we are going to have a full episode because people may be thinking yo you guys just crapped on this console for like almost an hour the next episode is actually going to be the complete opposite it's going to be about the legacy ryan in your case you were the one that were very adamant that we can't talk about the legacy of the console and, and the defining games, which we will be getting to without just reacting to this, right? We're not tech analysts. We're not taking this from a, hey, whoa, you know, I would have done things differently. We're just freaking consumers here. What do you think it was so important that we just looked at this and with a fresh set of eyes? And, you know, we can we can obviously expand on this in the in the next episode, but I think it's important when you talk about the history of the Xbox 360 that the red ring must be a part of that story and, and to fully contextualize that time, that era, we need to talk about the red ring. And I think we can get more to, you know, when we're talking about the legacy of the 360, I think we can get more into the 
the PS3 versus 360 and what were the factors of why the 360 was so dominant for the year? I mean, more than just a year, but during that era. And I, I think just first contextualizing what was the Red Ring, what was, you know, how long did it last? All of that. I think it's really part of the story. And the next chapter of that story is how did that impact its war with Sony? Yeah. And I mean, when you look at look back at the Xbox 360, like overall, generally, you look back quite fondly. Like for me, it's one of my favorite consoles ever, but it wasn't always like that, right? Like they were able to take this system that had a one in three failure rate that didn't come with a hard drive and so, so many things that went wrong with it and then turn that around and make it one of the most successful consoles of all time. And one of the best consoles of all time, in my opinion, like you you have to talk about this to get to there. So I think it was a very important conversation to have. Just imagine the what if scenario where the PS3 still came out a year after and you didn't have the red ring. I honestly don't think I would have gone to PS3. Like you just just think about that. This console no, I, got I agree totally the Gears games, Mass Effects. Ryan, you talked about Bioshock. The 360 is a freaking beast of a console. It's still worth playing now. Like I'm still collecting games for this console. There's a reason that Microsoft, uh, even recently, they released more backward ge- compatible games for the series and the one because it is a great console. But what if? Could you imagine a scenario where it launched? It flowed. You got yourself the $400 console. You look at Sony, $600 the year after with a ton of game releases. Man, I don't even I don't even think Sony would have outlasted all the way to the PS3 Slim, which is really when they started to turn things around. What do you guys think? Yeah, it would have been dead in the water for imagine the 360 working perfectly and it started getting all of those great games and then Sony would have come a couple of months later and go it's it's worth getting a second job for guys Ridge Racer <laughs> like they they would have 100% have been dead in the water and even though I think it's and this is again my opinion I think you could argue that the Xbox 360 ended up being the quote unquote winning console of that generation. Like it wouldn't, there wouldn't even be a case for the PS3 if that hypothetical future happened. Yeah, it's tough to say, but I think the 360, I mean, we don't know if they would have sold less because we see how many 360s a lot of owners. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, we see how many they went through. Like, what was it? I don't know. I'd be fun to find an average of like, how many consoles did the average 360 owner go through? And so it's like, is it like the average 360 owner had 1.2 Xbox 360s or something? Who knows? I'm trying to think throughout its lifetime. I think I owned three. (laughs) But that was because I want like I upgraded to the elite at one point. So I think I had one red ring and then I ended up buying the elite later. And it's yeah. sad that you're saying that and you're still the exception to the rule. Yeah, right? I know. It's like, oh, there was you only people got that one? Were, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Otherwise though, yeah, they for the early years, I mean, if there was no red ring, I think they would have built up much more goodwill. And for that, I don't know if Sony would have been able to come back from that. Uh, yeah, I really, I mean, that's all there is to say. I don't know if they would have come back for that because 
360 would have been off to the races and there may have been no slowing them down. So to summarize, the, the uh, Red Ring and Death was supposedly a chip issue that they did solve. We saw what the console happened. It continued to sell marvel- marvelously. It wasn't up until the very end of the PS3's life cycle that it actually outsold the 360 as a whole. Really not by much. It's still mind-blowing that happened, but uh, we really would love to get your feedback about this uh, Red Ring of Death. And if you were if you were a 360 gamer around the point, we really would love to know just... Did you have more than one console? What did that look like? Uh, please reach out to us, uh, Quest yeah. Rewind on Twitter. That'd be pretty cool. We also have the Discord. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed, the uh, Discord channel is right in the description. And while you're there, please consider dropping the uh, five-star review. So just to get you uh, ready. So we Ryan be- can sleep, remember. Yeah, exactly. Without those reviews, Ryan. It, it makes sleepy. him sleep. Ryan, have you been able to sleep? <laughs> it's it's been a while. <laughs> you look like hell, Ryan. You look like hell. <laughs> Thank you look you. horrible. <laughs> no, I love you though. <laughs> but uh last week we talked about the reveal, right? It was the uh E3 2005 press conference impressions. Before that, you can actually check out our watch along. Now next week, we're gonna talk about the legacy of the 360. Far removed from the Red Ring of Death, there's a lot of stuff from the wireless controller, Xbox Live. So I think it's going to be a very positive conversation. Then after that, we're going to be talking about the defining games for the console for us. So this is where it's going to just get very personal. We literally just have games listed. And it's just a matter of let's throw out a couple games in there and react to the ones that we resonated with the most. I know we're going to eventually talk about games like Super Street Fighter 4, uh, Resident Evil 5, which Keith and I played those two obsessively. And then we will be concluding this journey, this quest, if you will, by talking about one of Keith's favorite games of all time. We talked about the first one when we were still a cast of the past, and it's now time to talk about Mass Effect 2. Keith. Talk I'm to sending me, you on a suicide mission, baby. It's got to happen. There might not be any coming back. Yeah, this is one of my favorite games of all time. I've, I've mentioned it if you've been a fan of us for a while. I've mentioned it's one. It, it is my favorite game of all time and one of the best games of the last decade as far as I'm concerned. I recently played through it um, when the Legendary Edition came out. I'm going to play through it again for this review just because I can and... This, like Mass Effect 1, was kind of the the building block of the franchise, and this is where things got crazy, like as far as the whole making your decisions and different ways your playthrough can go. So I'm just excited to talk about all of the things that you guys do throughout that game and the story of your Shepard. I can't wait for us to review that game. It's going to be a fun time. I'm really looking forward to Ryan's uh, response with this because... Uh, it's just it's a game that both Keith and I have experienced before so I'm going back to it Keith is beating the game like the 15th time or whatever so uh, if all of you want to join us for the ride please consider playing the game so that way when we actually talk about it the first part because if anybody's curious it will be spoiler free uh, spoiler free just as far as like our general impressions but we want to get to the nitty gritty so that is a story game and we need to talk about our story the game is about making decisions so we will get to that so hey you got a couple weeks buddies you got about three weeks to get ready for that so catch you next week another exciting edition of quest rewind